today I'm here talking with uh, Matt Mook from Viewpoints. And Matt was actually formerly the founder, oh no, sorry, not the founder, was the CEO of Cool Savings and helped cool, cool, drive cool, cool Savings through a lot of its changes. Um, Matt, welcome to the call and I'm um, looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your history, who you are and where you grew up and where you came from and all that sort of stuff before we get on to what you're doing? <laughs> Sure. Uh, I guess I'll give you a little bit of personal background uh, first, and then a little bit on the business side, and you can interrupt me at any point. I uh, was born in upstate New York, uh, lived all over the East Coast, spent seven years in the hills of North Carolina, um, went to school in, uh, went to college in uh, George Washington University in D.C., and uh, after several years of working for Microsoft right out of college, moved with my fiance at the time to Chicago and kept working for Microsoft and uh, have been here for the last uh, 14 years. Um, after four years at Microsoft, I uh, in business development roles, uh, the last couple being working on uh, Microsoft's, uh, both the launch of MSN and their internet platform, I uh, left and joined uh, a couple of actually people that I was working with as customers who had launched a company called, as you say, called Cool Savings, where I joined as the fifth employee and as the VP of sales and uh, was there ultimately for 10 years. Uh, the first five, I ran sales and marketing. Um, and just as we went public, I uh, took over as the uh, president and CEO and ran it as a public company for five years until we took uh, Cool Savings private at the end of 2005. Uh, and uh, in the mid-2006, I left uh, Cool Savings after a decade there and uh, started a new company called Viewpoints Network. Uh, we have a ratings and reviews uh, platform, which you can see at viewpoints.com, which we're both building our own destination website, uh, building co-brands for partners, and licensing the technology. So it's a multifaceted uh, business model in the ratings and reviews space. And that brings us uh, up to date. And so here you are today. Um, I, 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 I want to ask you some questions about that, if I may. Sure. For what you've done in the past. Um, <laughs> I've talked with... Well, firstly, you, uh, I, I noticed on your bio that you, you did a, a presentation of Internet Explorer 3 with Bill Gates. Yes. <laughs> how, how did that go? What was it like presenting with him? What's he like? Well, I'll tell you, the, the history there is that... Um, I, very early on in my career, I mean, I was you know 23 or 24 at the time... I had heard rumbles that Microsoft was developing a, a platform to compete with AOL, and the guy that was working on it had previously been Bill Gates's uh, technical assistant, which was a pretty plum job. His name was Russ Siegelman, and uh, I sort of got in to see Russ, and, and somebody who was working with him, a guy named George Meng, and worked my way into uh, being a business development, uh, one of the first business development folks for MSN, uh, and uh, that that was back in the middle of 2005. And if you remember, there was a famous memo that that Bill Gates wrote after visiting Europe called the Internet Tidal Wave. Where 2005 or 1995? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1995. Yeah. And uh, that was right around the launch of Windows 95 as well, which I think was in August of 95. And uh, so I, I took the job as a business development manager for MSN, but very quickly. Uh, transformed into Microsoft realizing that proprietary online platforms were not the future of, of 
of online services and that really an open standards internet was. And I started uh, uh, basically helping to evangelize and train the Microsoft Salesforce how to sell internet technologies against uh, folks like Sun and Netscape and, and others that were prominent in the space. Uh, and in the process of doing that, it you know, developed a, a, a comfort and an expertise in the area of sort of the burgeoning internet technology set. And as a result, was called on to give a number of demonstrations to you know, board of directors of companies that we worked with or large conferences, et cetera. And occasionally those were with either Steve Ballmer or Bill Gates. And, you know, all of my uh, exposure to Bill Gates over the years is that he's even better than most people think he is. <laughs> he is, uh, he's, he's, has an incredible ability to absorb information both uh, on a very, very deep technical level and a macro business uh, level and sort of analyze where the whole world is going and figure it out and those kind of things. So uh, it was always a lot of fun to, to, to be, you know, he's a legend, obviously, to sort of be with him and be on stage with him and have him introduce me and bring it, you know, do the demos and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a fun part of uh, the job. Was he, was he easy to work with? Was he hard to work with? Like, how, how actually was he? Uh, I mean, very, you know, as you might expect, he was uh, very intense, uh, direct, uh, uh, um, you know, but, but not difficult. I mean, I, I was never in a position where, you know, he was, he was uh, ripping plans apart or anything else like that. I was just making sure the presentations were going smoothly that we were giving together. Hmm. All right. All right, and so you, you t another point you touched on, which is really interesting, is um, call savings, and um, that you that uh, you were there. Uh, did you take the company pu public? Yeah, I, I, w I was there uh, as the uh, I ran sales and marketing, so I was the executive vice president of sales and marketing at the exact time that we went public, and then six months later, I took over as the president and COO, and then six months after that, I took over as the as the CEO. So were you there? Did it go? Um, did it go public via an IPO or a reverse merger? Yes, uh, via a traditional IPO. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, uh, some companies in the internet space today are considering going public via reverse mergers, um, which seems like an interesting option. Um, but then you, you've been in a company that was public and then had reasons to go private. Can you talk about why, why you did that? Well, you know, there, there were several reasons. I mean, one is that um, when the bubble burst at the end of 2000, Cool Savings was in a very difficult position, frankly, near bankruptcy and uh, insolvency. And uh, we brought in a strategic investor called Landmark Communications, which bought more than half the stock and then over the years uh, continued to buy the rest of it. And eventually to the point where there was such a small amount outstanding that it, it didn't make sense for us to be a public company. And, and Landmark Communications is a multi-billion dollar privately held media company. And we were a public entity sitting under the, the private uh, corporation. Um, but I'd also say that the, the, the expense and the time and the distraction of being a public company is really not worth it, in my opinion, at least, if you're at least a hundred million dollar business, on a very fast growth pace to be to be at 250 million a year. If you're anything less than that, I don't think, um, in my personal opinion, it's it's worth being public. Unless, of course, that's the only way that you can raise money. Um, 
but it, it comes with a lot of uh, heartache and and distraction that you in my opinion you're you're better off staying private and raising money from elsewhere. That is really interesting. I mean, because there are quite a few people in our community who suggest that um, reverse mergers are a good idea and can be a way for you know ten and, and twenty million dollar companies to raise money and kind of move forward. And, and um, the suggestion is that companies like AOL and MCI got their start through reverse mergers and were able to do acquisitions and kind of fuel themselves this way. You have a, an opposite viewpoint. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not an investment banker. I'm not an expert in these kind of things. I've not been in all the situations that people might be in. But for our specific situation, um, it, it didn't help us to be public. It, it, it was it was not, uh, you know, we didn't have the liquidity. We didn't get the premium pricing. Uh, you know, the vast majority of money managers are not at all interested in companies that are that small. So you're you're really you have all the regulatory issues and Sarbanes-Oxley compliance and all those kind of things, disclosure issues um, that make it difficult to get things done. I mean, do, doing acquisitions uh, or, uh, you know, other kinds of things like that are much more difficult when you're public because of the required disclosures. The number I've heard is that like for the CEO can take up about 30% of their time if they're uh... – a public company, and I guess what you're saying also for a smaller company, that's going to be a, a much bigger drain, drag on the company overall. Yeah, and you have your financial staff. I mean, you know, you have your financial staff doing it, and you have to read through the, the Q's and the K's and all of those kind of things. And I, I just <laughs> uh, and you're and unless you're a, a large company on, on your way to being a billion dollar company, um, you're irrelevant to the vast majority of people who have large amounts of money to deploy. In a, in a public stock market, and so when you're talking about you know a hundred million dollar company on its way to be a two hundred fifty million dollar company, is that a company that you're talking about taking public via an IPO, or would you consider the option of a reverse merger? I you know I, don't, I frankly don't know that much about reverse mergers, so I can't comment on one versus the other. Right. Okay. But you know, if I was a hundred million dollar company and I was growing at thirty or forty or fifty percent a year, and I was nicely cash flow positive, and I really locked in the business model. And I knew exactly how to grow, and I just needed more cash and more visibility. Uh, I, you know, I would I would consider going public. But um, you know, on the other hand, you know, private equity is also a, if you really need capital is also a good avenue. So, so, so for cashing out, I mean, would you consider? Um, would you consider? I mean, because IPOs are pretty hard to do now. So, you, you, your focus on, for cashing out on a company would be more towards um, uh, an, an acquisition order. Yeah, I, I'm personally not of the mindset that you should build a company with the idea that you're gonna you're gonna have some major exit event and, and cash out. I I would prefer to build a company that is very profitable and uh, is sustainably profitable, and that in itself represents a uh, a future you know flow of of cash for the for the investors and for the owners, uh, and and not think about it as we need to, you know, we need to build it and flip it. So I, I know I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm different from uh, a lot of entrepreneurs out there who try to figure out how to build something with the eye towards selling it within, you know, two, three, four, five years. Uh, Viewpoints Network is not being built to flip. You're one of those old-fashioned guys, but um, it sounds like the, the right approach to it. And maybe that, I mean, that is, anyway, most direct marketing type companies are built by by cash flow anyway, so... That's an interesting, interesting thought. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, most businesses are are sold, uh, you know, um, because the 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 owner doesn't think that the future cash flows in the business are reliable or predictable or scalable enough to make it worthwhile staying in. You know, otherwise, you know, can you really redeploy your cash? It's also a risk mitigation strategy as well, or timing. I mean, there's lots of different reasons, but I, right now, I'm very comfortable with the idea that. We will continue to run and, and hold Viewpoints Network for a very long time. Hmm. All right. So tell us about Viewpoints. I um, I wasn't familiar with the site, and I went and looked at it, and uh, you've got a pretty high Alexa, 44,000. So um, it seems like there's a lot of activity happening on the site. Can you tell us about what it is and what it does? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of history, too. So back in the middle of 2005, uh, I started looking around at companies that at the time were either very new or they were growing quickly, things like MySpace and Craigslist and Flickr and et cetera. And I was just amazed. I mean, at the time, Cool Savings was over 10 million unique users, but I was amazed at how quickly these other companies were growing based on either user-generated content or social networking. And most importantly, they were doing it by not by paying for all the traffic, but by getting it organically through viral marketing or through SEO or other things. And uh, I really, I thought that Cool Savings ought to get into the business and uh, started sort of thinking about ways that we would do that. And based on my knowledge of what advertisers wanted, in, in virtually every case that we worked with them, they were looking for in-market consumers, consumers who were actively considering making a purchase and who would, who would have high click-through and high conversion rate and who would... Be, end up being good, loyal customers for their businesses, and uh, that's where we really struck on the idea of a building a ratings and reviews platform that would both be very organic and very viral in its nature. Uh, but of course, I mean, you know, is, that, is that reviews, opinion ten years later? I'm sorry. Is that doing opinion opinions ten years later? Yeah, I, I think that's one way to look at it. I mean, we, we obviously think we're very different from opinions and a heck of a lot better. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think for people who are aware of what Opinions is and how it's grown, I mean, at one point they had 9 million uniques, and they've been declining for almost every every month for the last uh, five years and haven't really taken advantage of some of the more modern social networking strategies. Um, they they haven't, in my opinion, they haven't really listened to their, their users or their reviewers uh, to the extent that they should and just sort of let it atrophy. And uh, I saw an opportunity to create uh, a new a new reviews platform that was both very wide and very deep. And what I mean by that is very wide in that you can re- you, you can review anything, uh, any product, service, or business that you choose to on viewpoints. And uh, with the uh, and very deep is that there's uh, and doing so you develop very rich profiles of the reviewers that are the core of a social reviews platform and ultimately lead to a very uh, viral and community-oriented experience. So it, it's, a, it's a new, you know, it's a new approach to an old problem, uh, but we, we clearly think it's, it produces better results um, and it has more scale potential. And I think we've seen that. I mean, the site's only been live now for six months. Uh, we're already at a half a million users um, and growing. Your Alexa rank is 44,000 after six months. Yeah, you know, I, I don't follow Alexa much. I, I look more at things like Quantcast and Compete and and Hitwise and things like that. But um, you know, we're we're happy with where where we are in terms of traffic. 
We're expecting to break into the several million this year. And, you know, we won't stop until we get, you know, over the 10 million mark is really what our goal is. And so what's really interesting then is that you came from a lead generation company and, 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 and so you're knowing where the, the monetization point is. You, you came at this problem of where can you get the user when they're about to become a customer and that's what got you to the point of a review site. It wasn't like, oh, um, ePinions is out there and it's dated and we're just going to knock it off. You came at it from where's the revenue and we're going to build a company around that. Is that correct? I think that's a good way to look at it, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, how? What kind of uh, methods are you using to drive traffic on the site? You know, it, it's uh, if there's one thing I learned at Cool Savings, you know, we, we must have spent $200 million on online marketing, is that there's never a single silver bullet. It's, you have to know how to execute across all the various disciplines. So, you know, it's everything from SEM to SEO to uh, viral and word of mouth to uh, affiliate marketing, CPA, CPM, CPC. You know, it's 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 every tool in the in the bag that's available, basically. Okay, so now that's really interesting because um, I've I've worked with some companies, and one one thing that a lot, uh, companies really would like to be able to do is do viral marketing on a site where you can also do media buying, and that can be a very very difficult problem to solve because a site that you can do viral marketing for, where people want to recommend things, there often isn't enough dollars behind the business model to be able to do media to do both viral marketing and media buying. It's either friends want to refer each other and, and therefore that's the way that drives traffic or you can go out and buy media. Yet it sounds like you're doing both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, reviews are an unusual kind of viral content. And if you, if you look at a lot of the research, they'll say that reviews are actually the most popular form of user-generated content out there. So, you know, if I talk to you about a party I went to last night or... Uh, you know, my, who my, my girlfriend is, et cetera, that's one form of viral user-generated content. But if I tell you about a great vacation I just went on and the hotel I stayed in and the restaurant I ate in, and those are all things that are actionable that you could you could go ahead and buy or make a reservation at, et cetera, then it, it becomes a different kind of environment. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're clearly trying to organize the information on viewpoints in a way that really helps consumers make smarter decisions uh, but in doing so, helps advertisers get good quality customers. That is really interesting. Which um, which form of driving traffic is working better? Is the, the the paid media or the viral media? Uh, viral. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and, and that's intentional. I mean, we're we're you, if you do it correctly, you know, viral and SEO can be significant dri- traffic uh, drivers of traffic. So, so meaning you have a popular site, but so you've you've then also been gone back. You've gone and backed out what a customer's worth. Are you, I mean, are you funded like to be able to go and do media buying on that? Are you able to do media buying at, at, a, at a positive cash flow, or is that actually are you like burning some investment money? Yeah, that, that, that's a uh, probably a private question. <laughs> okay, but no let, let's put it this way: it, it runs against my core grain to buy media at a negative margin. It's not something that you really want to do for very long if you do it at all. What's that? So to lose the money on media, that's that's what you do do or you you don't do? I mean, don't answer if you don't want to. I I don't do. I mean, you know, at Cool Savings, that that was our business is we we, we were spending, you know, $60 million a year in online marketing. 
and and getting positive arbitrages on uh, the traffic that we were driving, and it's something that hopefully we know how to do well. Hmm. Very cool. Um, and so, so just in general on traffic forms, you're doing search engine marketing, you're doing SEO, you're doing um, so viral. Is that when you talk about viral, is that like um, invite a friend, like address book importing, that kind of stuff? Yes. And then um, yeah, and you know, and, and forward then, to a friend, and you know, the you know, post to Facebook and RSS feeds and all those kind of things. Hmm. I'm taking notes. <laughs> and and then when you do when you're buying media, then you're going out and and going to like um, lead generation type companies and saying we can pay this amount for a, for a lead that comes into our site, and you you design the lead gen form and then. If they qualify, then they then they join up. Is it is it that kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, it's not exactly that. I mean, there's there's all sorts of different forms of buying traffic and and then watching how that traffic behaves and what value it has to you and everything else. You know, what, one interesting thing about viewpoints, I think, is that every user that uses our service that writes a review makes the service itself better, which is a dynamic that we didn't have at, at Cool Savings where. We could have added a million users, and the other eight million users wouldn't have known at all that the site was any better or any worse for that. But when you when you have a uh, a platform like Viewpoints, where they're constantly creating content that other people that then use it consume and use and find valuable, there's a really interesting exponential network effect that goes on, where every person that joins makes it more valuable for the rest. So I think it's so why do point, users you know, join? I mean, there are these sorts of sites out there. If I'm if I'm already know that I can go and search and post on opinions, why would I go to Viewpoint? Yeah, it's a good question. And understanding the motivations of why people contribute content online is, I think, an evolving art and really getting to know them. Uh, and I think what we've found is that there's lots of different motivations, um, as there are in life for a lot of things, right? So some people. Uh, will do it uh, because uh, they feel like they've gotten something out of the site and they want to give something back. Uh, some will do it because they like the, the, the recognition. Some will do it because they like to sort of compete and show that they can get better feedback and more visibility. Uh, some will do it because they want to be compensated in some way. Yeah, so there's all these different segments of, of reviewers and things that motivate them and the reasons they do it. And there's, there's frankly, there's successful models Across the social web, uh, of examples of people doing all of the, you know, uh, of sites uh, focusing on just one of those models and being successful in all of them. So I, I don't think there's a single answer to the, that, the broader question of sort of what's the value proposition for the contributor. It's it's just figuring out in your unique categories and with your unique audience what makes them feel uh, positive about becoming a part of the community. So you haven't had to come up with like a, a totally different messaging or a different positioning statement. You just said, "Hey, here we are. We're a new. We're a new site, um, and this is an, another great place that you can write, write reviews." You haven't said we're the new site that is better on reviews because of X, Y, or Z. Well, our our, our focus is on one, uh, ultimately uh, helping people find um, people like them. So it's review. It's reviews from people like you is really. Where we consider to be our core point of difference, and and we're just we're I think we're executing a better community platform than the vast majority of review experiences, 
So if you if you look at reviews on retail websites or, or other standalone review sites, they tend to focus mostly on the thing being reviewed and the review itself and not on the reviewer. And I, I just I have a bias that the person who wrote the review matters a lot to me. And as, as much as I can know about them, it's going to help me put their review in context. And, of course, when you have a platform where people need to reveal a lot about themselves, it becomes a good platform also for creating social connections between people. So ideally, I want people to be able to find other people that are like them, whether it's their friends or their family or people they've met online, who share their their personality, their profile, their passions. So if you happen to be really into surfing, I want you to be able to find other surfers and have them recommend to you what beaches to go to or what equipment to buy or what vacations to go on. And the same as if, you, if you're a owner of a, a golden retriever, uh, you're going to have you know, specific questions about that. Or if you happen to be a person who buys all the latest technology, you'll want to find a group of people like that. And some of those might be your friends, and you just know that they're that way. Other of them may self-identify that way and uh, congregate online. So you know, and that, it's a hard problem to solve in organizing people into their passions in that way and really understanding what motivates people's sort of view of trust and credibility. Uh, but it, to me, it's, an, it's, a, it's a big, important problem that needs to be solved, and it's a really interesting one. So, so if I'm a user on, on viewpoints, um, how are you able to organize me into people like me? What do you know about me that makes, you know, based on what I've done, or what do you know about me that makes me like other people? Right. It's a, it's a great question. So at a basic level, uh, we we obviously ask you, are you male or female, and where do you live, which is some starting information. Uh, and then every time that you write a review, we ask you to describe yourself with what we call I am tags in the context of that review. And uh, like just for, as an example, our most popular I am tag on the site is I am not rich. In the travel category, the most popular category, the most popular tag is, I am a budget-conscious traveler. You know, but we also have luxury travelers, and we also have world travelers, and we also have family travelers and business travelers. So every time you write a review, we'll ask you to uh, describe yourself in that way. And we've collected more than 500,000 tags as a result of people describing themselves in the context of a specific review. And we'll then use those tags as a way for people to find other people like them to navigate the site. So if I say I'm, 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 I'm a food connoisseur or, or I'm a fast food junkie uh, or I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a speed demon when it comes to my car, whatever it might be, those are all ways for people to, you know, to find others like them that are going to have information that way. And then th- that, that, that forms the basis for us to then start to understand what categories have you written reviews in? Uh, how have you described yourself in the context of those categories? And uh, you know, the next stage of our development is to figure out how to best now bring those people together and allow them to be more social on the site. So you know, adding things like forums and discussion groups and things like that are, are directions that we're going. This is fascinating. You've taken tags, which can, can sometimes be a little bit of an obscure concept and people don't make it very clear, and you've made it really, really clear in in the context of your side and finding things. I've just gone and 
gone into the travel section and said that I am a I, I love travel, even though I actually I travel too much for business. So I'd, I'd actually be better off saying I hate travel. But anyway, <laughs> so I said I love to travel. I enjoy great food, and so it's now picked out the best hotels and resorts for me: Canyon Ranch in Lenox, Massachusetts, the Wellness Spa, um, and I guess that's what people like me who love to travel, supposedly, and enjoy great food. That's where they like to go. That's fascinating. Right. And, you know, and obviously this is the kind of thing that as you have more and more reviews and more and more people, you get better and better results based on a broader base of coverage. So you know, being six months into this, I'm, I'm proud of where we are, but I also still feel like you know, we're in the first inning of a nine-inning game here, and uh, we're going to really, you know, this year we're going to make some great, really great progress in continuing to differentiate uh, sort of how we approach the problem of reviews versus other sites in making them more people-centric and uh, you know more social in their nature. So you're you basically you're taking the opinions market, and I guess if the opinions are stagnating a bit, you're coming in and adding in all these new sorts of things to it, driving traffic properly, and then you come in with a knowledge of lead generation. Uh, you come in and a knowledge of, 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 of get acquiring traffic and then selling it in terms of lead generation. So this is in fact a huge lead generation site. Yes. Yeah, like for example, um, if you go into, we have a category called education, and I'm sure you and all your readers know that online education is a huge lead generation category on the web where hundreds of millions of dollars are spent. And we've started ranking the best online schools and collecting hundreds of reviews from people who have actually gone there. And the better we get at that, uh, uh, you know, we'll be able to cover all sorts of categories. So ideally, you know, we'll cover uh, obviously auto and real estate and mortgage, financial services, online trading, all the categories where, you know, generating a lead is very, very valuable, and particularly of somebody who is in, you know, doing their due diligence and doing research to find out which one is the best. This is an absolutely brilliant idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How long did it take you to figure this out? I mean, did you guys sit in a, in a room somewhere and think all this through for like two years, or did I mean, have you just been evolving it as you started? Like, how did, how did well, you, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's basically has been three years since we originally came up with the idea. It, there, there's a lot of difficult problems, both technical problems, marketing positioning problems, um, uh, I mean, a whole a whole gamut of of issues that have to be overcome. Uh, I think we're doing pretty well, um, I, uh, but I think we also have a lot left to do. It's, it's not an easy problem to solve. It's not the kind of site that you whip up and, and, and expect it to sort of, you know, take off immediately and, and start making tens of millions of dollars. But the important thing for us is we're, we're building a very strong foundation, a very scalable website, and, you know, we're expecting to be able to scale it into the millions of users without adding a huge staff to do so. And, you know, we're very interested in partnering with companies who specialize in the various verticals. You know, so if, if you're uh, a company that is specializes in selling health uh, insurance leads or, or uh, online education leads, et cetera, you know, we're, we, we obviously know a lot of those companies from uh, how, what we did at, at Cool Savings, uh, but we're, you know, we're interested in, in finding partners in all the appropriate areas. So, so you're looking for lead buyers? Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, in cases where it's appropriate, we'll work directly with the the end buyer. In some cases, we'll work with the the aggregators. 
just depending on sort of what works better. I mean, I guess your preference is obviously to work with the end buyer. Not always. You know, I mean, as you know, in, in some cases the aggregators can pay more because they they know how to use a lead uh, to, to, you know, sort of through multiple channels. All right. Okay, so let me let me ask that point. So let's say I, I, I go, you know, I'm, I'm a housewife in Nebraska. Um, I went on a nice vacation in Massachusetts because I love to travel and, and, and I like good food. And I fill in some stuff on, on viewpoints about my holiday. And, and then I suddenly get um, 20, 20 spam messages a day for, for other stuff that's similar. I mean, is that, is that how, how to, how, I mean, there's obviously the monetization aspect here. How do you handle that in a way that uh, doesn't, doesn't go bad? Well, I, you know, I think uh, everything that I've, I've ever done in the online marketing space has always been permission-based and in a very upfront and consumer-friendly sort of way, so they have to opt in to anything that they do. So, I mean, just as a, as a one measure, you know, we send right now uh, three emails a month to our members. At Cool Savings and you know, other sort of online marketing companies, that's how many they send a day, right? Right. So uh, we've taken a very different consumer-friendly approach to how we market to our member base, how we engage them in the community, et cetera. And then the ads on the site, are, you know, you're not going to be sort of automatically opted into anything. You're, you're going to have to click on something, read what it's all about, and respond to it. If you fill out a form that is, you know, very clear on what they're asking for and they collect information from you, you know, that that's part of just being a smart online user and knowing when to give your information to a third party and when not to. So in the case I'm looking at the reviews of AIU, um, I don't, I mean, I can see, I can say I can find a review helpful. How do I, so how do I go in and how do I submit a lead? How do I become a lead for AIU? Um, well, there's, there, there should, I'm not looking at it right now, but there, there should be some uh, cost per click ads to the side of that. You know, we, we haven't really gotten around to striking these individual lead gen relationships with uh, the various companies yet. Um, we're waiting to All build right. a, a bit more traffic and scale. Okay, so you're but, not yeah, actually we'll doing, you're doing, not that doing lead sales yet. You're, 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 you're focused just around getting, getting traffic and getting the site up and running. You're doing a little bit of monetization with uh, AdWords, AdSense, and that's it. Yes, that's right. Right. And so then later on, I guess there'll be a big green button or something that says um, sign up for AIU now. Is that, is that the sort of thing? And then I can exactly. get my lead yes. Yeah, or request information, you know, those kind of things. Request it. Yeah, right. And I guess then you, I mean, as, as far as Legion goes, I don't know how far you can go with this, but you can even, you could do a, a hot call right there, so you could have a hot transfer right off the site. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> that would be pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the idea, is that, you know, these are, these are, these are consumers who are actively engaged. They're in-market consumers. They're actively engaged in making a purchase decision which makes them very different from somebody who just happens to respond to a banner or an email. Yeah, right. I want to ask you some questions about a, a, a somewhat related site. Maybe you can tell me how related it is. Um, a site named Judy's Book? Yes. I've been reading the blog of the, the CEO, a guy named Andy Sack, I guess is his name, and watching as they've um, evolved from various different things, and then they ended up going towards being, a, I guess, a shopping site, something like this one, and have now kind of gone downhill. 
What are, what's your, what are your thoughts on, on what they've done and how does this compare to what you're doing and how are you going to avoid having what happened to them happen to you? Well, you know, when, the, when they started out, um, and I think they started out in late 2005, early 2006, um, that they were competing against Yelp and Insider Pages and, uh, and, and focused on the local market. I, I can't. I mean, I've read Andy's blog as well, and I've followed them and uh, got to know them a little bit. I can't really speak to exactly what per se they did wrong or they did right. I mean, we we we. I think what we've done differently from them is we obviously cover many more categories than they do. We're not just local. That's just one of our 20 different categories, uh, and uh, we focus we we focus pretty heavily on the social aspect of review writing and building a community. Um, and I think that's something that, that is important. And if you want to be viral and grow that way, you have to do that. But the combination of having very rich profiles of reviewers, creating a very social platform, and then allowing them to rate and review a very wide range of, of products and services and businesses is really sort of the secret sauce in the, in the, in the whole recipe. And you got the, the business started through, um, I, I guess, some kind of an investment, or have you have you been self-funding? I, I raised uh, five million dollars in a Series A to start the business. Right. Why um, why have the Google Ads then? Do they provide a lot of revenue? What's that? How come you have the, the Google Ads? Why not just pull those since you funded? Uh, they're they're you know our partnership with Google is an important part of our strategy and. Uh, you know, I, I like relevant ads, uh, particularly, you know, when, when it can be all done automatically the way Google does it. So I don't have any reason to switch. So you're, you're gonna, uh, even, even, let's say, um, let's say you, you've got in a direct partnership with ARU and you're, you're doing hot transfer leads to them. You'll still keep the Google pay-per-click ads once you've got that going? Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, where on the page and how on the page you might put it and if, if our, you know, exactly how that works, but it's, it's certainly not uh, assumed that they would go away. Hmm. How then, um, how would you compare what you're doing here to Mahalo? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, Mahalo is, is, is really broad-based, so... Where we we focus on reviews, they tend to focus on any kind of content in any category, uh, you know, at all, and they have a majority of their writers are paid writers. But I, I do think there are some similarities. I mean, we we see the world, uh, you know, similarly in in some instances. But they're not doing reviews, are they? They they have they have like one category owner for each category, whereas yours is user contributed content. Right. What about um, integration with social networking sites? I mean, is there a way for me to, to put my viewpoint stuff on Facebook? Yes. Yeah, you, you can easily take your own feed and drop it straight into Facebook. And I, I do this, and, and all of the reviews that you write on viewpoints will show up in your Facebook feed. And so that means basically any time I write something in the viewpoint, that will then show up on my Facebook like to, to all of the people who are monitoring me. That'll show up to all of them so that they can see that I've written a review on this particular place yes. in in Massachusetts. Right. 
And so that for you is yet another form of driving traffic. Yes. And that's, is that a, is that a Facebook application that you've done that, that they include it in the Facebook or is that an RSS feed or something else? It's just an RSS feed that, that Facebook can accommodate. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so, so the kinds of people you're looking for right now, you want, um, lead buyers, um, either, either direct or, or aggregators. Um, are you looking for, do you want people that can help you drive traffic? I mean, what are the other areas of where you're looking to partner with people? Yeah, you know, uh, one of our big points of emphasis is we want to attract more people to write reviews on viewpoints. So finding sources of people who really, uh, you know, enjoy writing reviews and even better if they're in specific categories. So electronics or travel or, you know, other, other categories like that. Um, we tend to be attracting a pretty diverse audience with a, but with a concentration, uh, in a, a female audience, uh, married, uh, presence of children in the home, you know, you know presumably your soccer mom. I think they run half the internet. Maybe even more. What's it? Yeah. <laughs> That's for <laughs> I don't, sure. I, honestly, I don't think we'd have an internet if it wasn't for the soccer moms. I mean, it seems like they do everything. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just some of the stuff that I'm around, but they're everywhere. So yeah, I mean, so you want to, you want more soccer moms and you want that kind of traffic. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, we are we are not explicitly targeting sort of the younger, you know, Gen Y, you know, hipster urban dweller. We're definitely going after people who are homeowners and who have kids and have some very practical needs. So I'll be, you know, very happy if we end up doing well in vacuum cleaners and humidifiers and strollers and car seats as opposed to, you know, big screen TVs and digital cameras and things. Um, does this does this mean then? Do you, do you also see this as becoming uh, a big revenue generator from affiliate commissions as well, or is it mainly lead generation? No, I think we'll do both. Uh, I, I think the affiliate does have. You know, obviously you have to negotiate the right revenue shares with affiliate uh, programs, but I think there's some potential there. So how does that then work? Let's say um, let's say I'm, I'm browsing the, the reviews on Viewpoints and I'm shopping for a humidifier, and I read some great reviews, and then I, I go to the link to click on it. Um, does that then mean that I get I buy the, from the link that um, that uh, you guys have provided, but that ends up costing me like um, you know ten percent more because you you got the highest payout for you, but that wasn't necessarily the the best payout for me as a customer. No, I, re- retailers don't change their prices like that. It's it's the same for everybody. Oh, oh you mean do we, oh I see what you're saying. Do, do we show the merchants based on their yield? Well, are you, are you going you, to? I mean, are you going to show multiple merchants, or would you just show the one merchant that's your featured merchant, or how does that? No, work? We, we show multiple. Yeah, but you pull up any uh, any product in our database, and you'll see that there's usually five or six different merchants. In some cases, there's fifteen. Right, and so so I, and so you'll have then affiliate relationships with all of those. I guess you would then rank them by yield, but then that's up to then the consumer to then select which one they want to buy buy from. Yeah, and and what what we've really done here is we've partnered with Shopping.com, and so we have access to all of their merchants, and we get we we tap into their API. Oh, and so that is that is that something you're going to do long term, or is that just for now? No, I think we'll do that long term, and maybe not with Shopping.com long term, but we will work with our shopping comparison engine who already has that business optimized. Oh, is that is that so much work to go and get all those? It's easy to work with someone rather than do it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Hmm. What about um, do you ever end up with fake reviews or, or untrustworthy stuff? I mean, is, do, do you have any? Have you had any, or do you see any issues in that sort of area? Yeah, I think that's a common concern and a common question. Uh, we, we have a number of ways to try to address people's concern in that area. So, you know, one is at the bottom of every, and I think we're one of the only ones that ever does this, but at the bottom of every review, we specifically in a separate question ask people to disclose their affiliation with the thing that's being reviewed. And if they are related, is it, are they the owner? Are they an employee? Are they an agent of, et cetera? Uh, so we're there relying on the goodwill of people to tell the truth. But then we also have a second mechanism where every time a review is read, a, re- a reviewer can rate it as either helpful, yes or no, or they can report it as inappropriate and report fraud where they believe that it exists. And then we rank our reviews and display them based on their helpful ratings. So, uh, you know, in time, reviews that are clearly uh, not accurate, not helpful, et cetera, really won't get any visibility in the system. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you're, we're, we, are, we are allowing anybody to write reviews, so it is possible that somebody will commit fraud uh, and violate our terms of use and, and, and not answer the questions uh, accurately. But we, don't, we have not seen it to be an issue, uh, a significant issue uh, to date. And I guess if guys are coming in and astroturfing like that, then it, it, it'll, the tone will be somewhat picked up in the in the review, and then it'll be it'll be voted. Yeah, down. well, and, and you know, obviously, um, we need to get better also, and we, we are focused on it on building a good reputation system for our reviewers. So if you come in and you write, write one review that's an absolute puff piece of your hotel, you're, you're not going to get the same kind of you know credibility scores associated with your review. Uh, as if you had been written several reviews in lots of categories and gotten already lots of good feedback. So in that respect, it's it's similar to that the problem that eBay um, or Craigslist or anybody else uh, grapples with when it comes to, you know, sort of fraudulent usage of their own services. And, you know, we'll have the equivalent of an eBay power seller type of uh, rating on our system. Will there be any comments on the system at all, or is the revenue just focused around lead gen, um, pay-per-click type ads, and uh, an affiliate commission? Yeah, we're not planning to be a, a merchant. Cool. Um, is there anything that we should talk about which we haven't covered? No. no I think you've done a pretty good job <laughs> covering what we're all about and who we are and what our plans are, et cetera. Cool. Well, Matt, thanks very much for your time. Okay, thank you, and look forward to seeing the interview.